appreciate the presence of each one this morning. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews today. The book of Hebrews. I want to thank those who have led us in our worship this morning. Uh, the good preparation and uh, uh, just the way it carried out so well. Good, good. It's been a good time of worship already today. Think about, uh, we come here, sometimes there are jobs that are done that aren't noticed unless they're not done. <laughs> we come here and the building is prepared. Uh, people have put forth a good effort to build the building, prepare the building, and it's ready for us. We just walk in and, and take our seat. And Emily Ann and Robbie do a lot of work in that regard. We appreciate that. Uh, we drive up and, <clears throat> and the, the grass looks good. It's been cut and trimmed and Ben Sledge takes care of that. And uh, just the various aspects of the building are, uh, uh, they're, they're here and they make it comfortable and make it easy for us. And Brother Frank Sledge takes care of a lot of those things. And the Lord's Supper elements are here. We just walk in and we pick them up and, and we have them there. And, and Mark and Cindy Delk help take care of those things. We mention our Bible class teachers sometimes. We mention the preachers sometimes. We mention the elders. But there are a lot of things that are done to make this a good experience and a comfortable experience and so we can focus on worship and not be distracted by other things and and we appreciate that work as well and those people they don't get mentioned as often as some others and and they're deserving of our appreciation and our thanks and so I thought I would just mention that for just a moment what, what are all these things that I'm about to mention what quality are they required what quality is required to do these things and, and bring them to completion. For example, what does it take to finish a college degree? A lot of people start a college degree, but fewer people finish the degree. What, what does it take to see it all the way through to the end? What does it take to keep a New Year's resolution? A lot of us make the res resolutions. It's easy to make the resolution. It's keeping the resolution. That's the challenging thing. What, what, is it, what does it take? I read the other day that about 2% of Boy Scouts earn an Eagle Scout, uh, that, that level, about 2%. That's quite an account. We've had multiple members here at Oak Mountain achieve that. What does it take to, to earn that Eagle Scout level? What does that take? I'm going to throw in another one. What does it take to learn enough New Testament Greek to be able to use it a little bit? What, what does it take? What do all those things take? Finish a college degree, keep a New Year's resolution, become an Eagle Scout, learn a little bit about New Testament Greek. Well, it takes the same thing it takes to reach maturity as a Christian, to be successful as a Christian. For most of us, these other things, we might begin them and then life's issues get in, the, get in the way. We run out of time. We run out of money. There are other responsibilities that take up our time. Uh, we lose focus. Maybe just we become lazy. And so we don't finish those things and all the way to the end. And that same thing happens to us sometimes as a Christian. We, we start well. And we're enthusiastic and we're zealous and we learn and, and we're doing well and then life's issues get in the way and we've got other responsibilities and we don't have as much time as we would like to have and, and maybe sometimes we just get lazy. 
and we don't see it all the way through. We, we really don't grow to maturity. We don't fulfill the commitment that we made in the beginning, and we begin to fade, and we begin to slip. And before you know it, well, we've pretty much given up on, on the task. What we need in all of those things, as I'm sure you've identified by this point, is endurance. We need endurance. We need endurance to finish the college degree. We need endurance to become an Eagle Scout. We need endurance to uh, keep that New Year's resolution. And we need endurance as a Christian as well. If we're going to finish it all the way to the end, if we're going to be successful at the end, not simply at the beginning, we, we need to endure. Now, if you're in a position where you've begun to slip, where you've begun to fade, I, I want to just make a couple of observations about that. First of all, you're not the first to be in that position. As a matter of fact, that's been challenging all the, all the way back to the very beginning, as we'll see from the passage we're going to look at this morning. Even these first century Christians needed to be encouraged to endure and to keep on and to follow through with their commitment. We need to also understand that the results of slipping and the result of fading certainly can, can be disastrous. And we want to do everything we can to avoid it. The passage we're going to look at might help us. So if you made a commitment, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, but you've begun to fade in that commitment, maybe what we had to say this morning will help. We're going to be studying, as I said, from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is an interesting book. There are some things that we don't know about it. For example, we don't know who the author was. Most New Testament books, not all of them, especially in the epistles, the author is identified. Sometimes it's at the very, very beginning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the Romans, for example, or to the Corinthians. And so the writer identifies himself. This writer doesn't identify himself. There have been lots of suggestions. Maybe it was Paul, maybe it was Luke. Maybe it was Apollos, but we just don't know for sure. We know exactly who the first recipients were. Was he writing to an entirely Jewish congregation? Or was it a mixture of Jew and Gentile? Or maybe it was to a Gentile congregation. Well, we, we just don't know with certainty. Were they in Palestine? Were they in Jerusalem? Were they in Rome? Again, we don't know. Where was it written from? We don't really know that either. But there are several things we do know. We know that the original recipients were Christians. We, we know that. In chapter 3 and verse 1, they are addressed as beloved brethren, or rather holy brethren. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. And so we know that they were Christians. In chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, take care, brethren that there be not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, and so forth. And so we know these are brethren, these are Christians. In chapter 10 and verse 32, he refers to the former days after you were enlightened. And so in that context, to be enlightened means to learn the gospel, understand it, accept it, and obey it. It's simply to their day of their, or the time of their conversion. Remember the former days when you became a Christian, would be another way of saying that. So we know that they were Christians. We know that they had been Christians for a while. They were not new converts. In fact, chapter 10, verse 32, 
Recall the former days. And that suggests to us that those former days were some time back. Remember the former days after you were enlightened. And the passage that perhaps lets us know this, maybe even beyond others, is chapter 5 and verse 12, where he says, Enough time has passed for you to be teachers. You've been Christians long enough, you should have learned and mastered the material enough to teach other people. Well, that requires some time. And so they're, they're not new converts, are they? And enough time not only has allowed for you to be teachers, you've forgotten what you learned in the first place. And so they were Christians, they were not new Christians. They had suffered some persecution as well. We see that in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. Remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of suffering. In chapter 12 in verse 4 he talks about the discipline of the Lord. He says in verse 4, You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. Haven't resisted to the point of death, but you have suffered some things. Again, going back to chapter 10, he mentions some of those things uh, specifically. They were made a public spectacle. Uh, they uh, had had their property seized, and some of them had been imprisoned. And so they were Christians, not new Christians, Christians that had suffered some persecution, and it seems that they were in danger of falling away or slipping away. There are several references throughout the book of Hebrews to that effect. In the very beginning, in chapter 2, he talks about slipping away or are a drifting away from the salvation that we find in Christ. Verse 1, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. In chapter 3, in verse 12, he talks about falling away, the possibility of falling away from the living God. In chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he talks about coming short of the promised rest that God has for His children. In chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, he talks about falling away. And in chapter 12, he talks about, or chapter 10, in verse 39, he talks about shrinking back to the destruction of the soul, the, uh, our destruction. And so, they were Christians. They'd been Christians for a while. They'd suffered persecution. And there is a real possibility that they could drift away slip away, fall away. And so in the passage we're going to look at, the author tells them what they need to do. Chapter 10, verse 36, You have need of endurance. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You need endurance. And I think difficult in the word itself, endurance. Some versions say patience. You need to persevere, some versions say. It's the ability to withstand hardship, adversity, or stress. That's what the dictionary says. The ability to withstand adversity. We've seen that these Christians are facing some adversity and some stress, some hardship. And so you need to withstand that and persevere in your faith. A synonym might be something like steadfastness or perseverance or fortitude. The ability to carry on toward the goal, even when experiencing hardship or suffering or pain. Uh, the idea is found in other places in the New Testament as well. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about how, how the world is going to react to His disciples. 
They will deliver you to tribulation, will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many because lawlessness has increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, most people's love is going to grow cold, but the one that endures to the end will be saved. You need endurance. You need some perseverance. You need steadfastness. You need to be able to withstand the challenges and the hardship and the difficulties. And persevere with your faith. Romans 5 verse 2 is another place where it's found. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into His grace, in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we exult in our tribulation, knowing that our tribulation brings about perseverance. There's our word translated perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Going through tribulation, it builds your endurance muscles. So they can endure the current tribulation and also the hardship that's to come as well. So the writer of Hebrews, whoever he might have been, is telling them they need to hold on to their faith. Hold on to your faith. Continue to practice your faith through the difficulties. It's a powerful message to us today. I'm going to draw out three things from this passage in Hebrews chapter 10 that might help us with our endurance, might help us persevere, might help us to be steadfast. Let's just read through the passage and we'll pull out these three things. Verse 32, Hebrews 10, But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Yet, in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction." but to those who have have faith to the preserving of the soul. Well, first point we're going to make is this. If you find yourself slipping, if you find yourself fading, look, look to the past. That's what he says in verse 32. Remember the former days. Look to the past. Remember the former days after you were enlightened. Look back at the time that you became a Christian. Now, what is it about that time that might help us to endure? Let's think about that a little bit. Think about your attitude and your frame of mind and your thoughts when you became a Christian. You become a Christian, your sins are forgiven, you have fellowship with God, you're right in God's sight, you have new brethren. And so recall those former days. Look back to the time when you became a Christian. And when we begin to wane... Recall those attitudes and those thoughts. Remember the joy that you had when you became a Christian. Remember in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, when he was baptized, went on his way rejoicing. Well, why wouldn't he rejoice? (laughs) Here he is, he's in sin, he's alienated from God, he learns the gospel, he learns about Christ. 
He obeys the gospel and now he's right with God. He has fellowship with God. His sins are forgiven. Well, of course he's rejoicing. We all felt that way when we became Christians. We went on our way rejoicing. Think about the excitement and the zeal, the hope. You know, here I am one day, I'm alienated from God and I'm not, you know, my future's not looking very good. But now I become a Christian and that changes altogether. I'm living in hope. I'm optimistic about the future. Think about the relief. Do you remember that? (laughs) The relief that you had when you were baptized? Oh, before you were baptized, you are afraid to go to sleep. Something might happen while I'm asleep and I'm going to be caught unprepared. But when you become a Christian, when you believe and you repent of those sins and you confess that faith and you're baptized into Christ, now you lay your head on your pillow at night and just you're, you're relieved. The peace, the relief, the hope, the joy freedom from fear and anxiety, and the courage. Do you remember that? I'm a Christian now, and I don't care who knows it. (laughs) I'm a Christian now, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to stick up for my faith. I don't care who's, who's criticizing me. The courage that you had at that time. Well, that's the thing that he seems to highlight here in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Remember the suffering that you endured. Now, they're still Christians, and so they must have endured it. And so remember that, hey, this is not new for you. This difficulty, this hardship, the criticism, the seizure of your property, whatever it is you're going through, that's not new. You've been through it before. Remember when you first became a Christian, you experienced all these things, and you did it successfully. If you can do it then, you can do it now. And so just recall those former days when they had been sharers with others in their, in their affliction, when they showed sympathy to others who were being mistreated, when they had been made a public spectacle and endured a great conflict of suffering when their property had been seized. And yet they had endured in their former days, and if they did it then, they could do it now. If you've been a Christian very long, you've had some challenges. I don't know what form they may have taken in your life. might have come from colleagues at work. It might have come from family members. It might have come from friends. But when you became a Christian and you took a stand for holiness and godliness, you, you face some challenges. If you're fading now, if, if you're slipping, recall the former days. <laughs> Use them. Whether you were successful in the former days or whether you failed in the former days, you remember that. It may be that you were very successful. I remember when I stood up to that guy and I, you know, great, do it again. Or it might be, you know, that guy challenged me and I just withered, you know, I'm not going to let that happen again. Just remember the former days. Look to your past. If you made a commitment, but now you see yourself slipping, remember the former days after being enlightened. The second thing we'll draw out is this. Look, look all around you. Look all around you. And this is going to take us into chapter 11. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. Look at the example of others. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 6, this is where this particular passage comes from. Hebrews 6 verses 11 and 12, especially verse 12, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. The idea of patience is endurance. Be imitators of those who through faith and endurance inherited the promises. You look around and you know, take note of people who have endured and you follow their example. That takes us into chapter 11. There are people that we read about in Scripture who endured, and they were men with a nature like ours. They endured. We can endure. We're just going to highlight three. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. He who comes to God must believe that He is. He's the rewarder of those who seek Him. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, became an heir of, of, uh, of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now Noah persevered. Now I don't know exactly how long it took to build an ark. Decades. <laughs> I'll say at least decades. Uh, Peter tells us that Noah is a preacher of righteousness. And so here's Noah in a world that's just completely immersed in sin, ungodliness, just a terrible place to live. God warns him about something that he's never seen before, a flood. He builds this ark, and so he's out there building the ark year after year after year after year after year. And, and I, you know, I'm, I, the Bible doesn't tell us what his neighbors are saying about him, but you can only imagine. <laughs> And yet Noah endured, didn't he? He continued to believe. He continued to build until finally God took him into the ark and he was saved. He said, be like Noah. The second person we'll highlight in chapter 11 is Abraham. Chapter 11, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he is called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now think about the promises made to Abraham. Three promises in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, you're going to become a great nation. I'm going to give that nation a land to live in. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That promise was made to him when he was 25 years old. He had no children at all. Not even one, much less a great nation. God said, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the heavens and the sea on, on the, the seashore. He has no children. His wife is past the age of childbearing. The, the beginning of the fulfillment of the plan didn't begin for 25 years. And in the meantime, he left his home, his father died, he traveled to an unknown place, his nephew was captured, he engaged in battle, he suffered famine, his wife was taken again, he's got family problems between Hagar, Ishmael, and Sarah. Did I say his wife was taken? His wife was taken twice. And finally, finally, his son is born. That's only the beginning of the fulfillment. And then the second passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, refers to the time when Abraham was tested, offering up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was offering up his only, only son, only begotten son. You know, it's interesting, the, the, the writer tells us that Abraham was tested. Now, when God said to offer his son, 
Now, if Abraham had any questions about that, we're not told about it, are we? <laughs> you know, I, I know what I would think. What are you talking about, all for my son? I've been waiting for him for 25 years, and now he's finally here. You want me to offer him on an altar? We don't read anything like that on the part of Abraham. He simply trusted and endured, and God blessed him and repeated the promises. And Abraham, because of his endurance, becomes one of the great examples of faith in all the Scriptures. The third one we'll highlight here in Hebrews 11 is Moses, verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months in his, uh, by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he was looking for a reward. Think about the life of Moses. Though raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, daughter in luxury and privilege, Moses chose the people of God. He endured rejection, a life of hard labor as the shepherd of another man's sheep, stubborn opposition, continual ingratitude and complaining. Forty years of wandering and an inability to enter the promised land. And yet through all of these things, what we're told is Moses, as a servant, was faithful in all God's house. There, there's endurance. And so what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is, if you're slipping, if you're fading, look around you. Look at Moses. Look at Noah, look at Abraham, look at others who endured difficult circumstances, and yet they were faithful in compromise or give up on their commitment. And of course, the greatest example of endurance is Christ, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, he says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Think of everything that's included in those three words. Endured the cross. He endured the cross. And he goes on, despising the shame. You know, shame is a powerful, motivating force in our lives, isn't it? We will do almost anything to save ourselves from shame. And yet Jesus looked at the shame associated with the cross and counted it as nothing. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And now He sits at God's right hand, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who endured the cross. And so look around you. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Christ, serve as inspiration for us to endure. But I think there are others that we can look to as well. Oh, you know people. Some of them may be right here in this room. People that have endured hardship, challenges to their faith, difficulties, disappointment, discouraging, and yet they continue on. <laughs> They're strong in their faith. They haven't compromised their commitment. They haven't fallen away. And so you may know some of them. Look around you at those who 
through faith and patience will inherit the promise and imitate them. Well, my time's out, but I got one more point I want to make. And then he says, look to the future. Back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. The promises are oriented to the future. You don't have these things right now, but you will have if you'll do the will of God. Verse 37, he quotes from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, For yet in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Look to the future. The Lord is coming again. You see that in verse 37? He who is coming will come. The Lord is coming again. And when He comes, those who have done the will of God, verse 36, are going to receive what was promised. The New Testament teaches in no uncertain terms that the Lord will come again. If I go away, I will come again and receive you to myself. Why are you looking up into heaven? Don't you know that he just, He's going to come again just as you've seen Him go up into heaven? Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. The parables of Jesus suggest this as well. A man gave talents to his servants. One he gave five, one he gave two, one he gave one. And then He, he, came, he, came, he came back, He returned, and held them accountable for what they had done. Matthew 25 and verse 31, when the Son of Man comes, He's going to divide the sheep from the goats. We also know that when He comes, the dead will be raised. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul concentrates on what's going to happen to the righteous dead when they are raised from the dead, when the Lord returns. They're going to be caught up together with Him in the air. But what we learn from John chapter 5 is that in the same hour, the righteous dead and the wicked dead will be raised. And a separation will be made. Those who have done the will of God will receive the reward that He's promised. But He will have no pleasure in those who shrink back. And so if you find yourself becoming sluggish, if your resolve is becoming weak, if you're slipping, look to the future. The Lord is coming again. And when He does, He's going to reward the faithful. He's going to reward the faithful. Those who shrink back will be rejected. The verse just prior to the verse with which we started, verse 32, verse 31 says, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You think about that. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Christians may shrink back to destruction. You see that in verse 39. On the other hand, doing the will of God is going to result in great reward. And so, we'll conclude simply by saying, <laughs> if you're slipping, if you're fading, take whatever steps are necessary to get back up on your feet, renew that commitment, and serve with zeal and faithfulness once again. Take whatever steps are necessary to endure. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the opportunity to come together this morning and to worship. We pray that our worship has been acceptable to you, that it's been offered to you in spirit and in truth. Our Father, we pray that you will help us endure. Our, our lives sometimes uh, are, are difficult. There are difficult challenges to us, or hardships that we face in life. And sometimes, Father, we may begin to fade in our 
devotion that we, we may become, we may begin to sl- slip away from our commitment to Christ. Help us, Father, to endure. Help us recall those former days, the joy, the excitement, the zeal, the courage that we had when we became a Christian. Help us to recall those times when our faith has been challenged and we dealt with it successfully. And help us, Father, to resolve to continue in that zeal, that joy, that that courage. Help us to draw strength, Father, from those that we see around us. The Bible examples of men and women of great faith and endurance, help us to be inspired by them, but also from the people that we know. The, the, The courage that we see in them and the endurance and faithfulness that we see in them. And help us, Father, to imitate their faith. Father, help us always to look to the future, to remember every day that the Lord is coming again. And when He comes, we'll stand before Him and we'll be held accountable for what we've done in our bodies, whether good or bad. And so help us to live in light of that return of Christ, so that we may day by day do the will of God, so that we might receive the promises that you've made to us. Help us in all of these things, Father. Discourage us in what's wrong. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here and you're